Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Former rugby player spent a gruelling 112 days at sea in what he described as the adventure of a lifetime. Now, hundreds of people turned out for the official homecoming of athlete Damien Brown after he completed his homecoming into the port of Galway for a man who has survived 112 days at sea and almost 3,000 nautical miles. Damien before 1am this morning, Damien Brown came ashore with the Kushla McCree on the rocks at the beach in Afarbica. Feeling so relieved and so joyful. And, uh, hit by a massive roller, massive wave, and it capsized me. And then I flipped over, broke an oar. A few people about, but uh, I didn't expect so many people to. It's an innocuous Tuesday in October, like you know, they're going to take so much time out of their day to come see me. It's five minutes past one. On Tuesday the 11th of October, this time one week ago, about to wash up on the rocks in Furbo, County Galway. It's been an incredible week, but I'll talk about that another time. Right now, I'm going to take you back to the moment where I finished the very last episode of Deep Roots. So I'd come through the sound between Inishman and Inishir and I pushed really, really, really hard to get from four loop head to just to the south of Inishman. At 9pm the night before I had been 33 miles from Inishman or Inishir. So I talked about in the last episode the, the emotion and the um, uniqueness, the incredible experience of taking the boat through that gap in those weather conditions 
30 knot winds and the waves that that was kicking up surfing down those waves and the whole journey to that point 3400 whatever miles i reckon i'd hit about five waves four waves and i hit three a nail three coming through that channel one just the, the probably the best one just happened to get caught on camera by somebody on the Doolin ferries and posted and I've seen it a few places where I just get the right stroke at the right time and the wave carries me a good 15 or 20 meters so getting through that was a, um, a relief and also a perfect opportunity to take a moment and relax not be concentrating on steering and navigating and keeping the boat aligned with the waves because i was soon going to turn east into galway bay and i'd also as i mentioned in the last episode been passed over a rucksack of goodies by um by ned um ned climbed out to the front of the rib that joe and kieran jerry not michael excuse that was a mistake sorry about that kieran um had been piloting and um and handed it over to me and in that was um some fresh fruit so bananas raspberries blueberries blackberries there was uh, salt and vinegar crisps there was uh, these chili salted cashew and peanuts from little they're like fucking heroin to me <laughs> i absolutely adored them there's three packs of them um there was four sandwiches ham cheese tomato and red onion white bread sandwiches plenty of butter made by mary brown there was haribo jellies there was dairy milk there was milka chocolate bars um there was two bottles of guinness that ned had thrown in from his his pub Ned, and um a bag of crab claws <laughs> and a toilet and toilet paper i don't know who put that in but there was a uh, a toilet paper on top so i used that um that time to to uh yeah just take a moment firstly to enjoy some of those tastes that i hadn't had in basically 16 weeks or so well you know i'd had i suppose chocolate and i'd had haribo but you know the fresh fruit and the sandwiches and it was a long time and uh yeah and and i wanted also to send some um the, um i had made a video on i may i still have it but i never got it across for day 112 12 i think it was yeah um and i had uploaded it basically right to the point of it sending which what i mean by that is it sends through whatsapp through the well through the began uh, using whatsapp and the whole thing, the whole file had sent, and just as it was about to 
um, complete, um, it reset itself and started again. So the second time it did that, not long after um, Amelia and Tomic and Joe and Kieran had come and after going into Inishir had come by the boat again just to make plans for tomorrow morning and then they had headed to Galway in the rib so just after that uh yeah that file had had failed and I was like fuck it I'm not trying it a third time because it had taken about 35 minutes or so 40 minutes I was like I was just fried with that thing at this point the began and sending you know files uploading files and getting fucking kicked around the deck um signal dropping out just to you know as it was for so long a real frustrating um process so i restarted rowing after a couple of sandwiches and plenty of chocolate and sweets and crisps and nice tastes most welcome i tell you um and I had kept a nice, lovely kind of store of all of that food that I was given for later that night. Because I was so looking forward to that kind of switch off, safe, that, that moment where I got to put down anchor in Galway Bay and sleep and know that the next day I only had, when I wake up, I'm probably only going to have to row for three, four, five hours max, probably less. And then I'm in Galway and then, you know, the big crescendo, the, the welcome home, the, yeah, that emotional burst is, is so close. So, I cannot explain to you how much I was looking forward to that. And, you know, I was absolutely on a cellular level shattered at this point. Anyway, I started re-rowing and I would say roughly an hour, 90 minutes in, I started to, maybe less, maybe less now that I think about it, because I remember watching... Uh, Kieran and Joe and Amelia and Tomic kind of um, disappear into the bay and into the dusk, I suppose, or the early signs of dusk. And thinking how fast they had left me and how easy it was for them, and you know, the track to Blackhead that they had taken. Um, almost having an element of jealousy on how that had, you know, it was it was it was simple for them. Um, and I'd been blown quite a bit down from in a shear at this point towards the the south coast of um County Galway or the north coast of Galway Bay, if you get me. Um, 
But the, that was was nothing. I wasn't worried about anything at that point. It was fine. I was, you know, that was the way it kind of I was going. So it wasn't it wasn't an issue. Um, the winds were actually helping at that point. Uh, and when I turned it into the east, um, and trucked along for a little while, I there was a few signs of waves that were like had a bit of menace to them, had a bit of danger to them. They were steep and they were um, fast and they were hitting me now on the beam because I was, I had turned the boat rather than from heading north and those southerly winds helping me through the sound uh, into the east to get into Galway Bay. And as I said in the last episode, the plan was to get inside Blackhead. Uh, So I inputted that into my gps and it was about 11 miles and i started to crack on and i think the boat had actually blown like a mile and a half or something in the time so i only had nine and a half miles to go so it was all good like you know there was no no issues at this point but uh, the first ones of them kind of came you know when it was Dusk had arrived and these steep waves were now hit me on the beam and, and coming pretty fast and there was a, a few that worried me. Not many, but a few. Um, but I had a plan and I was, there was no information that was indicating I should look at changing that plan. And I was still in a good place. So very tired, and the sun had set now at this point. I continued rowing into the bay. Um, there was a constant narrative inside me about tiredness and getting to this place and how long was that going to take and making the calculations based off current speeds. When I got the far side of Inishir, I got hit. Oh, the winds had marginally picked up. They were always heavy, you know, they were 30 knots all day. Maybe they were getting a bit more now than that. And um, that funnel of um, a channel between Inishir and the County Clare coast was just like raging the winds towards Galway. So that started to push me even more towards Galway. Again, no problem. I'm more worried at this point by the waves. Um, they're now a threat, and that threat is blind because it's dark. It's pitch dark, basically. And um, all I can do is try to identify the state of the wave and if it's a threat by firstly well not firstly but by keeping an eye on where the sky meets the top of the wave because that is they're going to be different colors there so that's where i'm going to know what the height is and that's where i'm going to 
try and zone in my vision to see if I can I can I see firstly then what the wave looks like is it is it um to a certain steepness where it becomes really dangerous you know and and the waves with high winds like this they become and sorry and shallow water so obviously we're very close to the coastline now so we're talking very shallow water they whip themselves up into these walls of water and uh and they are a threat to capsize because you know they hit you hard on the beam on the side of the boat and they'll just push you over if they're steep enough and fast enough and, and breaking at the, the wrong time for you but of course the lack of any light you know moonlight particularly makes it very difficult to um, identify if that is the wave that's coming at you so you're in this kind of constant state of trepidation slash anticipation slash alertness trying to read if it's the wave because what you can do is um manipulate and move the boat just at the last second just enough to um stop the not stop but to give yourself a chance of rolling over that wall or at least putting yourself in a better position against being capsized but no moonlight it's very difficult to do that as i was saying just a few minutes ago your your first um point of vision will be on the the different colors between the sky and the actual wall of the water so that's where you see what sort of height this thing is coming at you and of course you're hoping it's a big kind of almost bulbous thing wave that you just kind of roll up and over the side but um you don't know you don't know when you're trying your best to identify it so there's you've got that going on i got kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed and no matter what i did um no matter where i pointed the boat and rode so at, at times i was pointing the boat to fenor not blackhead to fenor and just trying to um use that angle to keep myself in a better position in the bay like in the middle of the bay or just to the um, north of blackhead but then when i come off the oars and go into the cabin i would see that i've been pushed further and further north towards county Galway. again still not a problem i'm pretty keen i'm pretty uh the problem at that point was i probably had to accept that i wasn't gonna get to blackhead and it wasn't long more after that 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 finally came where you know the angle i would have had to row at was like 70 degrees so um you know getting into that teeth of that wind basically just 
to get inside Blackhead, which as far as I assumed and, and hoped would be much more sheltered and give me some sort of um, protection from those winds where I could have a little bit of time to put down the anchor. Well, get the anchor all set because that anchor had never been used. Um, it was it was there for that exact purpose when you get near land may become in may come in handy and the chances were probably were slim but turns out on on my journey they it it was needed anyway so i'm getting pushed 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 uh to the north um and blackhead is out now so i have to kind of reevaluate uh reevaluate the situation reevaluate the information i have reevaluate my plans and i'm more worried now and that worry is like mounting if you get me alongside my alertness So I have my neck craned to the left, looking over my starboard at all the time. The more I get pushed towards Galway, the more I have to at least try and identify, or at least try and keep one eye on what's now on my port side, what's coming there. But my first threat at this point, and the thing I need to um, keep the closest eye on is the waves. And try at least to to react to what's coming at me. Because capsize is a real and present danger at this point. Uh, but the closer I got to the touch, uh, the touchline, Jesus, the closer I got to the shoreline, the more that also needed um, a visual. And that also needed to be read. So now I was in this kind of... Oh, a difficult predicament, right? Pitch black anticipation of each and every wave could be the one that puts you over and they're not, and you keep rolling over them. That's, you know, um, a tiny relief, but it's it's not much because, you know, there's another wave coming, another wave, and sooner or later one's going to come and it's going to it's gonna capsize you. And now I'm pushing north and pushing north and I've got rock outcrop and the shoreline to worry about. I was tense. It was really tense. And I'm trying to make plans and reevaluate plans and I'm tired. I'm so fucking tired. So Blackhead's out. And now I'm thinking, well, where on the north coast have I got any opportunity for shelter? You know, to get away from these winds. And what I knew was there was a pier at Spittle. There was a pier at Barna. There was beaches. There were options, but I really didn't do much more to consider them than, you know, that it is a possibility to land on a beach. Obviously, it's it's going to be tidal. So if you do, um, you may miss your opportunity to get into Galway uh, the next day because... Uh, you won't get off. Low tide will come and you won't get away because you'll be coming. You're meant. To, I'll be coming into Galway, hopefully, or at least the time I'd set out was high tide. So, uh, 
yeah, that was it was hard of hope, but it was dismissed. Um, and then the other option was just if if neither um, key was accessible, and there's a good chance they wouldn't have been. Like it's very hard um, for me to be able to make that left hand turn if you want to get round the key and into the shelter of it from those winds. So the chances, as far as I was concerned, probably weren't great. Uh, so what's next? What could be my um, what could be my safety then, or my my place of safety? And uh, as far as I was concerned, I could row into kind of the Black Rock area and safely throw out the ground anchor you know, 150, 200 meters from the diving tower and not have to worry about tides there particularly, you know, at least ground in the boat. And, um, yeah, and continue on in the morning. It'd be a rough enough night, but it would do. And if that wasn't an option, um, I knew there was uh, boys still left over from the Volvo Ocean races all those years ago that I could just tie off, tie off on, on, um, near Mutton Head or Mutton Island. Uh, so I was, these were the, the, um, plans I was making in my mind, this strategy, I suppose. So it was all about seeing, getting there and seeing. And, um, in my journey to get to Spittle or anywhere around it, uh, I realized that, wasn't going to be an option it was just way too exposed to those southerly winds it was like slap bang in the middle basically of that tunnel or, or the channel between Inishir and the Clare coastline so it was just getting battered by these 35 30 35 knot winds so the next option uh, was Barna uh, and uh, that's kind of where I left it that was my goal along with the contingency of well, if Barn is not an option we'll do off Black Rock and if Black Rock's not an option we'll tie off we'll go all the way to the dock and um, or the, the far side of the Har- um, Mountain Island and just tie off there for the night and I don't care like if it's you know right beside um, the docks it's just a case now of been safe and getting trying at least um just give yourself an opportunity to be safe and switch off and eat some food and get some sleep before rowing in the next day. But I never got to Berna. I kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed north and there was nothing I could do about it. I just didn't have the strength to work against the um, winds and the waves that were just pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. And I had this really strange situation where, you know, I was watching the shoreline pretty closely and you're always, you know, my trying to read and question my perception, like on how close I was, because that could be a really important thing to be doing. Uh, how close I was to the shoreline 
And in that, you're trying to use markers, right? And you might be, depending on what light you can see, it might be a building or it might be the road or it might be a car park or it might be wherever. Anyway, there's some sort of light pollution and you're able to pick out a reference point. Um, you're trying to work off that to figure out how close you are to land. Anyway, I was looking at the Galway coast, scanning, 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 and I just happened to notice that there was a house, an all glass kind of, you know, uh, house looking out onto the bay. Um, an all, gra- all glass frontage, if you want. And um, uh, there was uh, light on in the big kind of space that that, that was situated behind that glass. No, it was a kind of old um, shaped house, you know, very square and angular and um, like something that was kind of built in the 80s. And because the light was in the house and it was dark outside, of course, I could see in. And there was uh, just somebody standing there. And now they were a long way away from me, obviously, because I was on the water and they weren't. They were... It wasn't, uh, it was kind of high up on the hill, if you want. It wasn't very close to the shoreline. But uh, it gave me a little bit of a, I don't know, I could just see them there standing, staring out. And it gave me, I'm just getting a bit of a chill now, even thinking about it. Um, and for some reason, I just felt they were watching me, you know. I'm in this hyper state of concentration and trying to be hyper aware and read the situation make like split session split second decisions every second basically um and i get this high powered fucking torch light like blinded me out of nowhere uh, in my eyes, it scared the fuck out of me, and it came exactly from that house where that guy had been standing behind the the big uh, high windows of his angular house, you know. And uh, it kept it's like kept shining um, right at me, and it I had to that point I had been comfortable with where I was at, but it fucking freaked me out um now whoever the guy was i know he was just trying to warn me that i was close to the rocks but um it had the opposite effect in terms of my state you know i had been in a good place and now all of a sudden i was in a really kind of nervous place because this blinding light had had just uh, freaked me out I went away and then the radio started going like crazy now I can't get up to answer the radio I can't drop the oars at this point I'm so close to the um, shoreline if I stop rowing for 
40 seconds or more, there's a good chance I will have a good chance that's game over. That like I'm never regathering the boat, the angle of the boat, getting it all um back to the place it was in and continuing on that line. So even if it was him or the Coast Guard, it doesn't matter who it is. As a solo rower, I just ha- cannot, for safety reasons, I drop the oars and open up the cabin and um, start having a conversation or um, discussing the, the current situation. It's just, it's just, it would be a death knell to the project. So the whole, the fucking alarm, I don't know if there's some sort of reverse call you can do on a vhf radio but that alarm was going off and uh this light then had been shone in my eyes uh so it just really like fucking freaked me so much so that i pointed the boat at about a 45 degree angle and started rowing away from the shoreline and i was actually making a bit of ground i was getting away um which had a little surprise in it because I thought I was going to be pinned to the coast, but I actually had the power to work against that wind, even if it was 35 knots, and and create a bit of space. Because, like I said, I had to that point, um, I just misperceived the distance to the shoreline. So I, I angled the boat out and I'm rowing, rowing, and this fucking flashlight comes back at me again, this high-powered flashlight into my eyes, and sends the fucking heebie-jeebies up me once again and i'm like shouting i'm not i'm just shouting for the sake of shouting like you know because i can't there's no way in hell that guy or he's he's miles away like well he's he's hundreds of meters away anyway can hear me um but i start to inch the boat away from the touchline and that gives me a nice bit of a confidence that i have you know uh control of the of the boat and hence the situation until about five minutes later where or 10 minutes i can't exactly remember maybe a bit longer um again you know my head is swiveling between the starboard and the port side so starboard is all waves 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 and port side is the uh, shoreline and the rocks and uh, as i have my head over my right hand shoulder i see these big tree rocks just in front of me I'm literally seconds from hitting them maybe 10 seconds and uh, they stick out like these fangs even though they were quite round um, because at that moment the water had been sucked out by the tide and it just kind of left these black chasms to the front of the rocks and i just saw myself kind of almost falling into that chasm and then getting smashed onto the rocks so again you're talking nanoseconds here i threw my let me see what oar would have absolutely jammed into the water because i had to fling the boat my left hand oar and i turned the boat like 270 degrees in a in an instant like i was absolutely totally surprised by how i was able to do it so proficiently and then i just started rowing away or at least doing my best to row away from these tree rocks and i felt 
I wasn't making much progress, like only meters, but I felt I was making some progress. And if I obviously if I kept going, I would eventually have got away from them. Um, but I was turning now into the into the waves, into the surf. And when I turned the nose directly into what is coming at me in terms of waves, I need to absolutely nail that angle. Like it almost has to be 90 degrees perpendicular to the wave. So it'll just kind of, it'll take the power, um, but it'll stay straight. But when I hit the wave, the boat was showing a little bit of its front nose. So that means the wave, just the power of the wave and the break of the wave and the wash of the wave um, just catches that extra bit of surface that you're shown to it because you haven't nailed it you know 90 degrees you've hit it at 85 or 80 degrees or whatever it may be and in this case it was a really powerful wave and I just didn't have good enough alignment on it and it pushed me over like 180 degrees so I bopped into the water and then bopped back out you know it was a half capsize if you want but as I went under of course what happened? The oar came with me under and I could hear it breaking. Um, I knew, I knew it fucked up. Uh. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um. We popped back up anyway and the oar was hanging on by a thread. I stuck my hand in the water and uh, grabbed the kind of the head, if you want, of it. Now it was a, it was a long sheet or the, the long part of the oar. Uh, and then it wasn't fully off, so I kind of twisted it off and um, and stored it in the back. Well, I didn't actually, no, I, did. I just stored it on the deck because it was there and then I realized... Uh, that it was game over that was it sure I only had two oars left and I'd broken one and uh, the rocks were right there and I knew you know all this information comes at you in nanoseconds and I knew I was just going to wash up on the rocks um, and it was I had been pushed much closer into the shoreline now so I kind of moved away from those three that had initiated the, this kind of sequence of events um, and I moved real slowly after the capsize. There was no big waves coming. 
remember hitting the first rock. And then moving a little bit further into them. And both shuddering with the, the grind of what the ocean was doing to it. And a little bit of my heart been stripped off me every time it, it ground further and further onto the rocks. If I had like half an hour, there's a good chance I would have been able to do something with the oars using like some epoxy and some extra bits and pieces. And I would have been able to put together something that would have gotten me to Galway Bay and the harbour. But uh, it wasn't to be. I'd only got 20 seconds and I was on those rocks. So we hit the rocks, grinding, grinding. And there's a big one against the stern cabin. And I, I feel that that big one, along with the probably two or three other ones it's stopped on and getting hit off, is going to stop me going any further, which is fine with me. Um, I assess the situation. I'm absolutely fucking gutted. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's a failure at this point after all that time. Um, so a few breaks come in and they wash up and they, you know, they throw the boat, boat around a little bit um, and I I realised this isn't going to be a place I want to stay or need to stay or, or should stay. It's going to get more and more dangerous as the night goes on. So I um, I just grab some, I, there's three or four dry bags in the back of the cabin that are, they were full, full with stuff. but And then I tied that drag, dry bag up and hopped on the, um, hopped on that big rock that had been beside me and um, I kind of slid down it. It was covered in seaweed, you know, and I didn't exactly get on it very flush. And uh, it shuddered, or sorry, it, um, I slid down it and uh, when I'd expect my, or one of my feet to at least hit the ground and, and kind of guide the rest of me in, it didn't happen. I I had this mind that was conscious and knew what was going on and you know was able to engage in anything, but I didn't had this body that just didn't know what it was doing. So my legs hit the ground and they didn't know when they were going to hit the ground, no proprioception. I my body just crumbled. It was like I had the structure of a jellyfish, like just That's what you get for sitting down for 112 days. Sea legs. So I tried to stand up, not having any of it. Next time I tried to tried to stand up a couple of moments later. This time I was kind of able to stand up, but there was absolutely no hope in hell of any movement on two feet. So I realized what the the gig was here, and I meant I had to get on all fours and just try and make my way towards safety I suppose it wasn't as if I was particularly unsafe at this point but I was still in like the rock pools and the rock outcrop of um, Furbo Beach on the left if you look out to sea or at least to Clare so I see a rock like 10-12 metres ahead and I that's I almost placed the goal let's get there and um, 
and then see what you can do with the electrics you have. So I got there and I took out the began because neither this phone that I have in my hand right now, which was the Project Empower phone or my own personal phone was picking up um, any of the Irish networks. One was dead and the other one was, was, was the American phone not picking it up. So I used, I took out the began, even though I was on solid ground and, um, and pointed that towards the satellite and cranked it up and got on the phone to Chris and I woke him up. He was in a, a heavy enough uh, state and I just, yeah, filled him in and told him, you know, the I've thrown out the EPIRB. Not sure if it's working. I pressed the distress buttons on the radio again. Not sure if it's working because the Coast Guard had called me on the radio Um just as I hit the rocks and I actually picked it up and responded, but I got no response for them from them. And that had been the case with a few ships over the last few days. So I just assumed that the radio wasn't working um, and it wasn't too sure if the EPIRB had activated, which was the emergency distress beacon. So I, I rang Chris and told him to, you know, maybe you can contact somebody within the uh, British side of things and tell them that, you know, this doesn't need to be big thing and then I ran MacDara and I was like Mac bad news and it was the connection was iffy so he couldn't really hear me and there was a slight delay on it and he's like what Damien is it and I'm like Mac bad news and he's like hello Damien I was like oh fuck's sake MacDara got some bad news oh yeah and he's like what yeah I said I'm on the rocks Blown on the rocks in Matt Furbo. Have you got a high powered torch and some trainers? I need you to come get me. I don't I don't even think I told him that I I wasn't sure if the EPIRB and anyway he was like, Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, it was all of it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm coming now, I'll be there as quickly as I can. This is one in the morning, remember. Um as I got out of the boat and as I was crawling my the the remnants, I suppose, of the the shoes that I had, these water shoes that me and Gussie had brought with us and, and used as our, our rowing um, shoe, had torn off like mine were basically hanging on my foot with a shred. So once it hit rock and water, just got, you know, annihilated basically. So now I was barefoot, hence why I needed trainers uh, at least to have some opportunity because otherwise it's going to take me fucking forever you know, the, I was trying to, my plan was to get to, um, well, get off the rocks, but it was a long way to go and, you know, up onto the, the kind of more drier, um, solid ground and eventually hopefully the beach um, or the, at least the walkway back to the beach and then even the, the wall there at Porakins, you know. Um So I rang Mac and then uh, he said he was coming. And then I think I, I'd slipped the pole, this phone with its torch on into the front pocket of the um, foul weather gear I was wearing. And then I'd locked up the bag again, the dry bag and put everything back in the began and uh and was it that was and then put bit down on that and put it in my mouth and bit down and then start to crawl again on the rocks i decided not to ring home 
in that time. I just didn't see the point. I was just I would have stressed people out and you know, they would have been worried, so I knew it was fine. You know, I wasn't hurt. Um I was just a case of my legs not working because I hadn't really, you know, because of sea legs versus land legs and not having had, it's an equilibrium thing, and not having had um, solid ground to stand on for, you know, 16 weeks, so. But, you know, I'd had that before and I knew it was going to come back pretty quickly, so it wasn't, wasn't a problem. So I dropped on my knees again, started to crawl. I think I crawled to a, another kind of similar rock, something I could sit down on with my feet in the water, but like it wasn't uncomfortable. And uh, took a rest there and then moved on again. And I wasn't long moving on uh, when I saw kind of in front of me where the direction I was going, these this light shimmering behind this big mound, you know, and I, there had been no light there before. And now this moving light or dancing light was, or lights were, um, had been clearly kind of changed the scene. So I was like, that must be for me. That has to be for me, you know? And I was like, geez, Magdara, that'd be very quick if it was Magdara. Uh, so I took the, this phone out of my, the pocket it was zipped in so it had kind of been radiating through the the red material of the, the Gore-Tex but I took it out and then I just held it up and I could see sure enough um, a flashlight coming around the corner and then um, what looked like kind of big enough guy holding it so I just shone my light and kept walking towards me and then another one came like 15 meters behind them um, but there was no like, there was no shout, you know, are you all right from far? Or, so I was like, and I shone my light up uh, from the torch and it still didn't come. And I thought, I think that's a bit weird. Um, eventually then they got within eyesight kind of recognition and I could see that there was um, firstly a what's that thing called, uh, a reflective material on their jacket. And then, you know, a couple of seconds later, I realized it was guard. Um, and it was a guy called Vinny. And then Michal came just behind them and they uh, picked me up. I got one either side. Um, and then they did their business with calling, you know, the whoever needed to know the crack. And um, and eventually, yeah, we started walking back towards the, the beach and the, the wind was blowing up a, the sand like into a storm. Like, so it was like blinding us as we were going back. But just, yeah, anyway, we just walked through it and got uh, up the beach where they parked the squad car. Um, and uh, I sat in the back and they got in and then another, um, you know, of the the bigger squad cars turned up, I think the armed response unit maybe. Uh, and then the ambulance eventually came and the McDara came. So um, this is all in the space of about 20 minutes. And one of the other guards was kind enough to offer me his 
his lunch, um, his midnight or his his shift lunch at least, which was very kind. He had a wrap made up, which I scoffed. I couldn't turn it down. The guy, Vinny, was like, do you want something to eat? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what is it? He says a sandwich. And I was like, and then he passed it back to me and it was in this Tupperware container that was clearly, you know, bought to to bring it to work and I was like I can't eat the guy's sandwich like he's fucking on night shifts and uh, anyway he wasn't having no for an answer so so he turned up um or they both turned up there was two of them then the ambulance and the ambulance just turned out to have a guy I was in school with the guy I was in the bish with Jamie Woods who not only was in the bish with Jesus we were great friends like you know there was four or five of us who was hanging around together in uh from third year fourth year and fifth year um and Jamie was Jamie and Shane and Colin and Aidan Gilmore and a few. Anyway, so Jamie was uh, one of the paramedics. So that was alright. I mean, I was yeah. Anyway, they uh they checked me over, all good. They wanted to take me to hospital, but I was like, ah oh, lads, stop the lights with you. I'm uh I'm Grant, a few scrapes, like but generally I'm fit as a horse, like fit and healthy. So um so the not Jamie but his his partner or whatever his um, fellow paramedic was pretty keen but uh, he relented anyway it was my choice so yeah so that was that was kind of that around Furbo uh, MacDara then took me home and uh, in a way I look I look back on that fondly that drive in um getting into going through Salt Hill and around the Clada and uh, into town and around the docks. It was half two now at this point. And there was, okay, there was the odd straggler around, but, you know, it was a Monday night, so it was very quiet. And it was it was kind of a um, an unexpected, <laughs> to say the least, uh, reintroduction to Galway, you know, where um, my image, images the whole way along was a lot of people celebrating around the docks and now here I was driving through it, having it to myself with Mac. And we got to Renmore, uh, my parents' house, and uh, I convinced Mac just to, to let me there, leave me there, and uh, I would get in, you know. I didn't, I knew there was a key in the, somewhere in the garden and uh if um and that was only if i couldn't wake someone up so i did a few knocks didn't get anywhere give it another go a little bit louder and uh out of the front room i could hear something i was in the porch i could hear something out of the front room my uh my Roselle, Roselle stuck her head and she's like hello hello who's that and i came out of the porch i was like baby it's me and she's like oh baby and she uh I'll never forget her tone. Uh, and she was gone then. And she woke up Elodie and they came down and let me in. And yeah, it was lovely. We spent the next two and a half hours chatting and just eating and a bit of toast and toast and cheese and a bit of fruit and cereal and uh, and then a shower. Um, got out of my wet manky salopettes they're still like a week later they're still under the stairs with the harness i was wearing <laughs> i still haven't gotten around to 
taking them out of there. Uh, and then, yeah, around five o'clock, we crashed. We're back up again for nine, so. And then, uh, yeah, I suppose I might pick it up. Pick it up then um, in the next episode and just close out this last week. But that was the story from Inishir all the way to Renmore. Part of me thought, a large part of me thought I was failed, I failed, I failed. I couldn't see the woods from the trees, you know. Now a week later, I look on it very differently. I think it's kind of a interesting way to finish the whole thing. Poor Akushla got a kick in, but somehow she was able to float off the rocks. Well, myself and Magdara actually, well, not myself and Magdara, but Magdara rang. I think McDara had been in contact with somebody at least or Chris had been in contact with him in the interim and as we were actually just leaving Furbo to head to Renmore uh, Gussie Chris uh, who was in town my land support weather router and Justin the master boat builder of Cushla McCree our, we're, we're rocking up to Furbo because they had been staying, the two lads had been staying with, um, with Gussie for the, the uh, for a few nights while we uh, closed out the expedition part of Project Empower, you know, so um, so they did some, Justin wanted to have a good look at it and um, see if he could I don't know, you know, I don't know you know, help you know, protect her in some way they did a few little things and then I heard that the Olivers um, I think it's Kieran and Pa um, turned up later that night and they, they had actually been deployed on the lifeboat again um, these are the stories I've been told and then they got turned around um, and then they came out themselves and, and they further protected her as far as I'm aware and um and hung around for most of the night um and then a few others came there was a guy Bert uh Bertie Bertie um who who I met the next day lovely guy from uh, the Iron Islands ex you know well, basically born on the sea like and a curric racer and a commercial fisherman for his whole life so and then he and, and Justin I think the next day coordinated the the kind of rescue of Cushla McCree and the, so the, and they just and, and more people and more and more and more and more and I'm not even naming half the people who helped Martin O'Glally I think Martin O'Glally was involved and um and loads of locals um, and they all, I mean, they all chipped in to to save Cushla McCree. Thankfully. It was so sad. Driving back in that car of McDara. Thinking I'd failed come so close and fucked up at the end.
but the next day put a lot of things in perspective and the fact that I was able to get a bit of closure by rowing the boat in as well helped I think all it took it took away two things for me gloss like a superficial gloss to the um, expedition and a, a big emotional peak you know like that those moments where you um, you get to release all this pent up emotion this um, stressful energy in terms of accomplishing the endeavor you know that's a, a there's an outlet there for it and I like to do my best to release that energy there and then so I think that was something I I probably missed out on but then again I gained massively as well because I got to spend that night at home with Rizal with Elodie with my parents the next morning my brother who came around the next morning before we went back into the homecoming and I don't know what that would have looked like you know and in hindsight if I had rode in and the plan was to to meet everyone and hug everyone on the pontoon uh, firstly my legs wouldn't have worked uh, secondly I think it might have been a bit overwhelming to meet people especially all in one go and then you know head up into the the madness of the crowd like like the crowd, the crowd were I was incredible like but still they were they were fucking cracked like there was I was getting pulled out of left right and center so imagine doing that which just seen you know your daughter your partner and your legs aren't really functioning so yeah so that worked out really well that was the I don't know, 112 finished. All right, I'll pick it up again next week. And uh, yeah, keep striving for more from yourself. Cheers. I learned that I, I crave um, connection with people around me, connecting on deeper levels with those people. Um, it gives you great perspective on what's important in your life and, and that's something that just kept coming up for me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.